Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening and you would, find with me the 14th chapter of Matthew as we are going verse by verse through this book. And tonight I want to talk to you about learning to trust God. And uh, tonight as we are going through this uh, chapter, we are at one of the most famous miracles in the New Testament. Uh, We're looking at a miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And so many times we look at the miracle, but we forget the setting of the miracle. And tonight I want to talk to you about learning to trust God, but I want you to think about it in this context. Sometimes after your greatest heartbreaks, sometimes out of your greatest loss, comes God's greatest blessings and miracles in your life. You say, well, Jake, you just don't understand what our family has been through. You don't understand the loss that we've faced. You just don't understand how bad things are. And so I cannot see how God could bless and work and move in a mighty way. As I've been praying for our church, I really do believe that is where we are at through the COVID situation and all the difficulties we have faced over the last year, I really do believe that at the darkest, most difficult moment, it is after that that God can do such a great and mighty work. And I want to read this whole passage to us tonight, but before we read about Jesus feeding the 5,000, I want you to think back to what has just happened in this text. Jesus has just found out in verse 12, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Jesus has found out that John the Baptist has been executed. In the lowest point, as someone who uh, wept in his mother's womb when he heard a pregnant Mary's voice, someone who had baptized Jesus, someone who had grown up probably together with him, is executed in a brutal and vicious way, having his head removed. And immediately following that, we see one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. And so tonight I want to talk to you not just about trusting God, but trusting God in the valley. Trusting God as he works from the valley as you move to the mountaintop. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, I got an extreme difficulty with the children's department two weeks ago when I let you all out 20 minutes early and they were not ready. So uh, we're going to read some scripture tonight to help with that situation. But in verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from the boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them here to me. 
Then he commanded to the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. And so they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you for the wonderful privilege to gather amongst your people again. And Lord, I am fully aware of my inadequacies, my failures, Lord, and that there is nothing good that can come from tonight, Lord, if you don't do it. And so, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. And I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would anoint the messenger. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take the words of the Scripture, Lord, and implant them into our hearts. And Lord, that you would do a great and mighty work tonight for your glory in your glory alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to talk to you tonight about learning to trust God more. And the first thing, if you're taking notes tonight, and I hope that you will, is Jesus, even Jesus, experienced great loss. You see, so many times as Christians, we view the fact that our circumstances can keep us from serving God. Well, I've just lost a loved one. I've, I've went through a great health trial. I've been betrayed by someone that was closest to me. And Jake, I, I've made so many mistakes in my life. And how can God use someone like me? And yet sometimes we get in this mindset of how can I help other people? How can God use me and my life when I've been through what I've been through? But yet Jesus experienced great loss. And I don't have these verses tonight, but I want you to write them down. I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 1 sometime and read verse 44 of the first chapter. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. John the Baptist, even before he was born, even before he was uh, uh, delivered, God had been doing a work in him that was going to be special and miraculous, and the baby even recognized Mary's voice. And so I can just imagine John the Baptist and Jesus as babies. Now, this is not scripture. You'll just have to take this for your imagination as families spend time together, as families grow up together. You think about your cousins and your second cousins and growing up and playing together and, and doing things together. And, and here's Jesus and John the Baptist, and they, they grow up older, and Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he comes walking up, and John the Baptist says, There he is! <laughs> there is the one! who has come to take away the sins of the world. And Jesus says, I want to be baptized. And John the Baptist, knowing who he is, as you know very well, says, no, I'm not worthy. I can't. But yet, Jesus goes down into the water. And John the Baptist baptizes him. That's why I take such a great privilege in baptizing people. Because I'm thankful for that privilege. I'm thankful that I don't have to stand behind the baptistry. I'm thankful that I get to get in the baptistry with them. It's just a, it's something that I think is special. I think it's something that's a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done. And, and I can remember the pastor who baptized me, Brother Bill Duncan, baptized me as a child at First General Baptist Church. He'll always be a special man in my life just because 
He was my pastor as a child. He baptized me as a pastor. And whether we like it or not, we, we get attached to people. We have relationships with people. And Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. And then he hears that this person he has known his whole life has had his head chopped off. And look what Jesus does in response there in verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. You see, I believe that Jesus was not afraid that Herod was thinking he was John the Baptist. I don't believe that Jesus had fear. I believe that we as Christians shouldn't have fear, but we're not perfect. And so I believe Jesus, in dealing with the lost, just like he was uh, weeping over Lazarus, was pulling away for a time of prayer and reflection, getting alone with God to, to try to take some, some stock and deal with things. You see, most of us as Christians are running so hard and long on empty that we have nothing to minister out of. We don't get along with God. We don't pray to God. We don't, we don't spend that time when we're hurt and broken and, and, and get along with God and say, Lord, I'm telling you what, Lord, I'm so angry at that person right now. Lord, I, I'm so, I've got so much unforgiveness toward them. Lord, I, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they did that. And in those moments, instead of pulling back and getting along with God and, and have, asking him to work and to move in our hearts and, and really speak to us and deal with us, we just keep going through the motions. We just keep doing what we're doing and truly we're burnt out, we're broken, we're hurt, we're overwhelmed. And in those moments, we can make some of the worst spiritual decisions that we've ever made. You see, everyone gets tired. Everyone experiences loss. Everyone even has emotions, even though yours might be as shallow as a teacup. And so loss and difficulty and hurt and pain, Jesus experienced it. He didn't sin like we do. He didn't dwell on it like we do. But the Bible is full of him getting away and getting alone with God. And so tonight, if you're here and you're hurt, you're broken, you're dealing with the baggage of your life, until you get alone with God, take some time to step back from the situation and say, God, I need just you. Lord, I need you to speak through your word and through prayer because even Jesus experienced great loss. But the second thing I want to show you tonight, if you're going to learn to trust God more, is that Jesus ministered regardless of his situation. Even though Jesus was seeking to get away, look what happens in verse 14. In verse 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. You see, so many times we use our uh, emotional baggage. We use our struggles, our failures to keep us from doing what God asked us to do. We can, it sounds something like this. Well, I could never teach a Sunday school class because, you know, I, you know, years ago I was a heathen. Or, you know, I, I, can't, I can't serve in the nursery because, because we've lost a family member recently. Or I can't serve on the kitchen committee and, and deal with funerals because we have recently buried someone in our family. You see, those are all valid points. But what happens is those times of mourning, those times of getting along with God become the crutch that keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. But even though Jesus was trying to get away, even though Jesus was going to spend time with the Father, when the need to minister arose, 
What did he do? He ministered. He had compassion on them. You see, tonight I want to challenge you with something. Whatever pain that you are struggling with, whether it's loss, betrayal, whether it's sin that's keeping you down tonight, give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I know that I've got struggles. Lord, I know I've got failures. Lord, I know that I am emotionally crippled right now, but God, I want you to use it. You see, friends, you don't have any idea that while you are at your lowest, while you are at a place where you don't think God can use you, that he might be getting ready to use you to do one of the greatest works that he's ever done in your life. You don't know how he's preparing you, how he's putting people in your path, because Jesus ministered regardless of his situation. And tonight I hope that you will as well. And third and finally tonight, ministry is about God and people. You see, so many times as a church, everything we do, it's about helping people. It's about helping people. It's about helping people. Or on the other extreme, it's all about just what God wants. It's just about worshiping God. It's not about loving your neighbor. But yet the Bible says we are to love God and love others. And what we see here in this miracle is that God gets the glory but yet people's needs are met. And in ministry, when God uses your difficulties, your situations, the things that you're most ashamed of, the things that break your heart the most, you need to remember that it is about bringing God glory and it is about ministering to hurting people. Look what it says here starting in verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. Now, this isn't being cruel by the disciples. This is the simple fact that they don't have enough food, they don't have enough resources to provide a church potluck on the grounds. They don't have that. And so they are thinking, these people need to eat, these people need to be fed, these people need their, uh, their daily rations, and we can't provide it, and they won't listen to us, right? They're not going to listen to it. Get away from Jesus. But if Jesus told them to go into the cities, buy what you need, then they would have listened. And so tonight, I want you to know something, that sometimes ministry isn't practical. Sometimes ministry doesn't make sense. Sometimes the vision that God gives you in ministry will be bigger than the budget that you have set today. Sometimes God's ministry and vision for your life is something that you've never been able to do before. But it goes on and says, But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, when have you ever been reading the Bible and a verse just popped out to you and you're like, Well, that is really really, really good. But how? Right. Jesus says, well, just feed them. And he, they've just told him, why don't you send them away to find food? Now, if I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, that's really funny. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? How? With what? How, how do we make this work? And friends, so many times in our walk with God, and you don't have to answer this tonight, but you should answer it quietly. How many times has God asked you to do something? 
the scriptures confirm what God has asked you to do, and you say, wow, how is that possible? I can't do that. I won't do that. that that's something that is above my abilities, above my skills. But look what it says there in verse 16. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And listen to what verse 17 says. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Now that is a simple response. I don't think it was meant to be derogatory. I don't think it was meant to be sarcastic. I think the disciples are in a place where God is asking them to do something that they know they cannot do. They answer him, we have this many loaves, this many fish, and up to 15,000 total people. Now, I love buffets. And the worst part about, and I know some of you don't love buffets. Maybe one day the Lord will reveal it to you. But um, the reason that I love buffets is when I'm hungry, I can just go eat. And then I can go sit down. If I'm hungry again, I can go eat again. And if my wife doesn't want to eat, she don't have to. She can just sit there and mind her own business, and I'm going to go eat. But one of the most frustrating things for me is when I'm at a buffet and there's supposed to be food and there's what? There ain't no food. I go up there for fried potatoes. That's what I love. I love fried potatoes. Get up there on the buffet, they got chicken. They got mashed potatoes. They got, uh, oh, macaroni and cheese. You know, this is really going well. Even got a few pieces of fish. And that place on my plate that is meant for fried potatoes, the tub is empty. That's a bad day for me, but it's so insignificant. But yet these men, these disciples have been asked by God to be obedient and they do not see a way. You see, as a Christian, I think that is the thing that scares me the most is when God asks me something that I realize I cannot do on my own. It was the same way when God called me to preach. I'm like, Lord, I cannot be in front of people. I mean, I literally will get sick to my stomach. And then it was, okay, Lord, we can do this. If you'll help me to preach, Lord, I'll just preach what you got and, and I'll trust you for the results. And that went okay. I preached my first sermon. It was like 32 minutes long, right? The longest first sermon ever. Preached a few sermons, thought it went okay. Then churches started coming, saying, won't you come preach here? And won't you come preach here? And then if you know anything about little Baptist churches without a pastor, it doesn't matter how bad, how good you are. doesn't matter what your qualifications are. If they need a pastor, they will offer it to everyone that preaches. And thankfully, my predecessor said, Jake, every church you preach at will try to make you your pastor. I even told one church one time, I don't feel like I'm called to be your pastor. And one of them said, well, would you do it anyway? Needless to say, that church is not open anymore, but it wasn't my fault, all right? But I'll never forget then when God called me to pastor, it was like, yeah, there's no way. There's just, right? You get that sick feeling in your stomach like you're gonna vomit, right? It just, that doesn't make any sense. And even to this day on Sunday mornings, I cannot eat breakfast before I get up here because I am terrified that I'm gonna get so nervous that I'm gonna puke on people sitting in the front. I know that's not dignified, it's not glorified, and it's not spiritual, but it's the truth. And I know that's why I try to preach verse by verse by verse by verse, because I know that I am not able to do what God has called me to do if he doesn't do it. 
And tonight you need to know something, whether it's being the Christian husband that God has called you to be, whether it is being the type of mother or father that the Bible says you should be, and you're sitting here thinking, Jake, I was raised in a broken home by an absent father, by a mother who wasn't there. Lord, I've got so many broken emotional difficulties from being raised in a home that didn't love God and honor God. There's no way I can be the parent, God, that you want me to be. It's in that moment that God can do the greatest work in your life. Those moments when God has asked something of you that you are unable to do on your own, it puts you in a position to watch God work and watch God move. And so it says here, right, that all we have is five loaves and two fish. Now, I want to be very specific here because some of you might be thinking, well, I bet they had caught some great big old massive fish and they had uh, the 32-inch long bread like Subway's got. No, this was lunch for one child. And so most likely these would have been five little, uh, almost like little rolls, something very small. Most likely the two fish would have been very small or even something that had been uh, dried out or something that had been really shrunk down. And so it wasn't like you would, went to Lon John Silver's and got two great big pieces of fish and three pieces of chicken and all the. That's not it. So this is literally a meal for one young, small person. And Jesus says, bring it here. And friends, tonight you need to know that whatever little you have to offer God, he can use it. You say, Jake, I, I can't speak. Neither can Moses. You say, Jake, I... I I've just, I've, I've got so much in my past that, that God can't work. So did Paul. You say, Jake, I got a quick temper and I talk before I shouldn't have and I make a mess of things. So did Peter. You see, whatever little God has given you to work with, he can use it in amazing ways. So in verse 18, he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the disciples to sit down on the grass And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciple, and the disciples gave to the multitude. Don't miss this here. As God, the Son, is in need of something, he goes to the Father in prayer. He asked the Father to bless it. And so this morning, this evening, excuse me, I want to ask you that if you wake up and begin your day with anything more than Lord, forgive me and bless the day, who do you think you are? If we as a church show up here on Sunday and say, you know what, we don't need to be praying, we don't need to be seeking the Lord's face, we'll just show up, we've got good musicians, we've got good music leader, we've got good choir members, we sing real well, you know, if Jake doesn't just completely, totally bomb the sermon, we'll have a good day at worship. Friends, that's not enough. You have to come asking, Lord, if you don't bless our time here together, nothing's going to get accomplished. If you teach Sunday school, you ought to be praying and seeking the Lord's face all week. Lord, you bless it. Lord, you use it. Lord, you take what little I have to offer and multiply it in a mighty way. And look how God works in a special and mighty way here in verse 20. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So God provides everything and then some. 
You see, tonight I believe a couple things happen to us when we're in difficult situations. You say, Jake, I don't have to worry about that. I got everything I need right now. I am so thankful for that. You say, Jake, my kids are healthy. My wife is, is, and I are getting along. We've got enough money in the bank. We've really, Lord has blessed us. That's great. Be thankful for that. And don't feel guilty because God has blessed you. But if you're honest tonight, you can probably look back at a time in your life and say, things weren't so well back then. Or maybe tonight, you're at the top of the mountain, but the valley's coming. And these are so important to prepare today for what comes next. Because tonight I want to remind you that Jesus experienced loss. And so will you and I. If you live long enough and Jesus tarries, you will bury a spouse. If Jesus tarries long enough and if you work long enough, you will probably watch inflation go so high that you won't buy anything. If you live long enough and the Lord tarries, you will have people that will speak unkind about you, people that will lie about you, people that will betray you. And you say, Jake, those moments are just too much to handle. Jesus set the example. Get along with God. When you think you want to respond, when you think you want to speak, when you think you want to act, it's best to first get along with God. Then don't forget that even in the difficult moments, be looking for opportunities to minister. Be looking for opportunities that you can use the gifts that God has given you to make a difference in the lives of other people. I do want to encourage you, though, that you ought to take a time of healing and and seeking the Lord's face before you jump right back into trying to help people. Jesus was an exception to the rule, but really get along with God and say, Lord, how can you use my hurt, my brokenness, to make a difference in the life of other people? And then never miss out that what God calls you to do is one, honor God. Honor God in everything you do, everything you say, every ministry that you try to be involved in. But never forget that it's also about ministering to people and the needs that they have. And so tonight, I want to challenge you as you bow your heads with me this evening. No matter what circumstance you're going through tonight, I hope that you are getting along with God. You said, Jake, I don't have time to get along with God. Why don't you get off your phone? You said, Jake, my phone is where my Bible's at. Well, I hope that you got more self-control than I do because I can be reading on my phone, on my Bible, a text comes in, an email comes in, a message comes in, and boom, before I know it, I'm looking at something else, thinking about something else, and that quiet time with the Lord is gone. Get you a Bible, get you a notepad, begin to write, pray, weep, seek the Lord's face. Watch how he can take that situation and change it. And so I want to challenge you. You say, Jake, I already have a short prayer time. Make it just a few minutes longer. You say, Jake, I just, I just can't. I'm so hurt, I'm so broken, I'm so difficult right now that I just can't. Don't quit. Don't quit. But then remember that God has a purpose for you. 
You see, Jesus went to the cross willingly for you and I. He was spit upon. He was beaten. He prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me if possible. But yet he still went to the cross for your sins and for mine. He still hung between heaven and earth and took the judgment that I deserve and that you deserve. But then he arose that we might be saved, forgiven. And so tonight I pray that you will honestly get along with God and say, Lord, you know my weaknesses. Lord, you know my struggles. You know the areas of my life, Lord, that I just cannot seem to give you total control over. And Lord, tonight I pray that that's what happens. But tonight, if you've never been saved, you don't know without a shadow of a doubt that you've given your heart and life to Jesus. Tonight can be that night. That's the greatest need that you have, and only Jesus can meet that need. Maybe you've recently been saved, but you never told a soul, and tonight you're saying, Jake, I'm ready for the world to know what Jesus has done in my heart and in my life. Maybe you've been saved, and you've You've just been too scared to tell anybody because you know that the Lord wants you to be baptized. Maybe tonight's that night you come and say, I'm ready for you all to know that I'm ready to follow Jesus completely. Whatever it is tonight, whatever your need, these altars are gonna be open and I pray that you'll take advantage of this time to do business with God.